Hi, this is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 12 of Flames Nation Radio. I am your host, Ryan Pike, along with... uh, my festive co-host, Shane Stevenson. How's everybody doing today? Great. Wonderful. Uh, the the benefit of doing this, an audio podcast, and we do it over Zoom, uh, Shane is decked out in some festive wear. He's got a cool flames tube that I believe was a gift. He's got a, a very snazzy, blasty hoodie that was a gift from his better half. And over his shoulder is a Santa hat. So, you know, uh, Shane's very much feeling the festive buzz. Uh, My background is much less interesting, although, Shane, if you look over my shoulder, this will help no one except the people. Actually, the shoulder. uh, My better half made a a very nice display of uh, my Flames Funkos. I have a Kachuk and a Kadro, because why not? I want to jazz up the background in my office. And, of course, a bunch of Santa mugs and cool, like, tinsel and stuff. So, I mean, it doesn't help anyone you know get listening to this later on but just so you know we're in a festive mood uh it's been a weird few weeks in uh in the world of the calgary flames in the broader hockey world uh if you're really recording this on wednesday night uh today officially the 2022 world junior hockey championships were put on ice and not the good kind of on ice but canceled because of the ongoing pandemic and uh you know they they didn't do a bubble. I mean, let's be completely honest. When they were originally planning this, things looked more or less on the rails. Not perfectly, but it wasn't as raging a pandemic. It was a, it settled down to a, a, a steady simmer. And then, you know, they go to Edmonton and Red Deer and you know, things just sort of got out of hand. I mean, you know, let's, let's be completely honest in the broader hockey world, like the Flames and the NHL in general seemed to be in a pretty good pace up until, you know, a few, a few cancellations here and there, but nothing, nothing horrible. And then, you know, we, we got to, to December 16th or December 10th, I think. And then the flames had all those positives the next day. And then we, you know, we were, we haven't covered a game since. So, I mean, I don't know, Shane, it's, how do you feel about the world juniors? I'm, I'm sort of I'm I... torn because it's like, it seemed really dumb to be trying to do a tournament, especially the the optics of you know going. Yeah, you can't do the women's tournaments, but here's the here's the men's tournaments. So that so, kind of yeah, no, it's it's a weird situation. Just before we recorded, I I drove from Lethbridge to Calgary here, and on the drive I was listening to Sportsnet uh, 960 Radio and our lovely coworker Pat Steinberg. And they uh, led into the AAHF, did a press conference, and they had it live on the radio. And I wasn't necessarily impressed nor happy with their answers. They, they, like, there were some good questions. There was like, hey, you did a bubble last year. Why didn't you do a proper bubble this year? And DeConda just gave the political answer of they dance around the question for a bit, use a lot of words, and then we'll move on to the next question. And then the cut out right as someone asked um i think it could have been kevin mcgrand but he asked he said well if you're if there's any plans to reschedule this tournament 
would you consider having the U18 women's at the same time? And for some reason, the audio just stopped at that question. And they said they had technical difficulties. So uh, I, I think if they had the proper safety measures, I think they could have done maybe, maybe it, it sounds like it was preventable, but uh, they, they were living in a hotel and they said they knew, they said they knew the public was going to be there, but like, no, none like of the hotels the whole, they were using in either Edmonton or Red Deer were, were completely exclusive. bubbled. They were they were open to the public, which I mean, there was a there was a wedding cool. planned for today in Red Deer. There, there's sure a there's, there's a wedding reception. Wedding went that, off today. Uh, the a wedding reception took over a, a good chunk of the hotel in Red Deer that the USA and Sweden were at. And so far, three coaches have spoke out. Um, the Czechia coach said something into the Czech Republic media. Uh, it was in complete Czechia. Uh, I didn't translate it. I just, this is what they talked about on the radio. Czech, Czech is a uh, beautiful team, language, by the way. Just a beautiful And the, the, the Finnish coach went off. I, the Finnish I, coach I think is not I, happy. I, I saw that and I put it on my Twitter feed. Uh, th- there was, I, I, for anyone who follows me on Twitter, uh, at Ryan and Pike, I, uh, I post, I retweeted uh, uh, in, a clip of an, in an interview and a link to the interview uh, from uh, a Venus Ferge in uh, Sweden and a, I'm not even going to try to guess, I'm not even, I'm really bad at pronouncing Finnish, I'm not even going to try, but there's a, a Finnish outlet and a, and a Swedish outlet that uh, ran some interviews with, with folks from those two national teams and um, they're not, they do not mince words, uh, maybe something was lost in the translation, but I don't think anything was lost in the translation. Uh, they're not happy. The, and, and then the other thing, the last thing kind of minorly is the American head coach went under the Finnish coach's tweet and just tweeted 100%. Like he just completely Nate, agreed. Nate, the American Nate Lehman, a very yeah. good collegiate coach, uh, coach still coaches Providence College, I believe. Uh, he is uh, folks who, who really like Mark Jankowski. He made Mark Jankowski an NHL player. So Nate mm-hmm. Lehman is a damn fine hockey coach. And he's coaching uh, USA Hockey's on, uh, world junior entry. So, I mean, let's be completely honest. This has been a fortnight of the IIHF taking the L in a very big way. They mm-hmm. did it. They The way they handled the postponements, the, I guess the cancellations, but hopefully just postponements of uh, the women's tournaments were, in a word, shitty. There's really no way of dancing around it. I don't like using profanity lightly, but it was not a great look. They had the ability, like, you know, the let's be let's let's be completely honest uh women's hockey does not get any financial investment and also it does not get uh it does not generate revenue it's a chicken and the egg thing i think you know as we've seen you know the ph the phf and uh its precursor leagues if you invest in women's hockey it's really good if you don't treat if you don't present it as secondary it's really friggin' good and you know like the best the best hockey in the olympics most years when you know most years even if there isn't even if there is any jump players in the olympics is the the women's hockey i mean high level women's hockey is freaking good and you know how you know how you keep that pipeline going and how you, you get more of it you, you invest it and you you put some in the spotlight towards it i mean the u18s they, they you know they're broadcast by our friends at tsn uh, there's a lot of logistics as well, so I don't want to rag on the broadcast partners too, too much, but the, the DOA teams were broadcast at Santa Rice through like a little keyhole cam. It looked like someone from a camera through someone's doorbell. And yeah, doorbell. it was basically a fixed camera at Santa Rice and stuff is happening to the left or the right and you, and, you know, there's you no editing and stuff. Yeah, so I mean, I mean, do better. I think I think we can all do better in supporting women's hockey, but if you're at IIHF, this is a great opportunity for them to take this massive pairs of L's that they've taken the last fortnight. And okay, let's, you typically in, uh, in, you know, folks, I don't know how familiar you are with the IIHF calendar. The U18s for women are usually around this time of year, just after the World Juniors. And then the uh, the U18s for men are usually around April, April, May, depending on the calendar. Then mm. the, men's hockey, the men's world championships go in, in uh, May, and then may, usually yeah. the the Holinka Gretzky Cup, uh, which isn't sanctioned by the IIHF, but it's sort of the same the same guy the, the same groups do it. Like Hockey Canada sends a team, like all the national teams send teams uh, to the Czech Republic or to uh, Canada, depending on the year. So that's usually in August. So if the idea is that they're kind of punt on everything and be like, oh, we'll just see how it is at the end of the NHL season. Okay, fine. 
that's that's cool. What I would like them to do is I think you can do like assume you have to bubble it right now, do two tournaments, do a in one in one one city, take over the hotels, run a joint U18 men's and women's, broadcast at the same time, alternate days, do you know, alternate games. I don't care how you do it. You have months to figure this out. Find a venue. I can't imagine concert bookings are too crazy right now. So you can probably find a venue and take it over for three weeks. Do men's and women's U18s and pimp the hell out of them. Just promote the hell out of them. And then July or August, do the World Juniors and do U20 women, U20 men. Do the same thing. Bubble it. You can always unbubble it. You can't rebubble it. So just assume you're going to have to bubble it or something similar. And then just just make it make it a make a big do of it. I mean, it's like the reason why the World Juniors are so damn popular is because TSN and to be let's be honest, USA Hockey, Hockey Canada, a lot of the major national agencies decided this is going to be a big thing. Uh, up until TSN got the rights and put some resources into it, nobody cared about the World Juniors. Or it was, it let's was be honest, done in the hardest of hardcore hockey people, like scouts and really really degenerate hockey fans cared about the world juniors before it became a television event and how it is which is great let's have more of these and there's no reason why you can't you know like let's i'm, I'm gonna be i'll be completely honest with you guys i was really really excited about using illegal streams to watch jada ginla in the u18s for team canada because jerome ginla's oldest child getting a chance to show how good she is on an international stage at that age is something that it's it's criminal to not have that opportunity for hockey fans to discover jada ginla mm -hmm. Because oh, yeah. all, all I'm told, she's quite good. And you know what happens if you go and, you know, if you just use the, if, TSN, if you're, if you're listening, uh, you use the, hey, Jada Ginless playing in the tournament to draw people in. And you know what? If there's other really good players there, Legacy, I guarantee yeah. you, yeah, there's got to be like, I guarantee you in that tournament, there's probably like another dozen players who are super exciting and cool and where people will discover. But Jada Ginless will get people in the door. I, I miss what? There's even something like that for all the tournaments. Soroya Tinker went to that thing and she was unreal. Like yeah, that's where most, I like that's where I the, saw her. She was amazing. Most of the most of the high high end players in the PHF and the you know the the former NWHL, the former CWHL, the national team was basically every every organization in in the world went through the UATs. So I mean, we're 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 promoting solutions here. You you took a major L. Yeah, they like the, the way they justified. Oh, let's just not do the world the women's tournaments. Was at best half-assed and at worst. It was. It, I, I it actually was, had a. I had a ter. I, I saw it on Twitter today. It was. It was terrible. Like it's just they basically said, "Well, yeah, it's not financially feasible for us." And it's like, we like people. We don't care. Like like you're like you canceled it last year. You you do everything in your power to do everything for the the guys, and you're just like, you're just showing your you're showing your bad hand right now. Like it's yeah. it's like just like stop it. I will say this before we move on. Uh, one of my favorite takes that came like uh, tons of people went to Twitter and they voiced their opinions on this matter with quote tweets or whatever. My favorite was from um, I believe it was an American hockey player. I, I I can't remember her name, but she said, "Hey, since we're talking about stuff like this." How about we let the women wear visors if they want to? Like, why are we forced to wear cages? I like, it's the rules, but she's like, we're adults and we can make our own decisions. And I was like, that's so true. Like, it's 100% correct. Hey, like everyone, like, you know, they, they, why, why can't the women wear the visors? Can anyone give me a good, honest excuse? I don't they think might get they, a in the fair. Yeah, just like the they like know the risk. They're adults. They, they, they're the same as anybody else. They take the same risks. And so I, that I saw that on my Twitter feed, and I just wanted. I, I'm sorry, I can't remember who mentioned it. I would love to give you a shout out, but I, I can't. I just. But that's the correct take. When, when I when I, I'm curious what you thought when you saw the Luke Tardif's uh, statement. My exact thing was when I read it. I'm like, you had, and it was an interview with their own website, so that you can't say like, oh, it's misquoted. You had weeks to figure this out because you knew you were you did a what's uh, essentially a PR interview. Through, your, through the the WIHF website, you knew this was coming. You know who you're talking to. You know what the reaction is going to be, and your answer is, well, no, women don't women don't generate any money with women or not. Well, cool, but 
like do a, something. I don't believe that. But and B, yeah, do something. Like if, if the idea is let's let's be completely honest. Let's be like part of part of the reason, part of the reason why the women's tournaments have borne the front of this is sexism, and part of the reason is just bad. Yep. They're the easiest tournaments to cancel because they generate the least revenue, which is probably true, but it's true for dumb reasons. And there they happen to be the, these waves kick up around the times of year when the women's tournaments are usually scheduled. Like they've had the bad luck that every variant wave, the leading, like, you know, the Omicron wave make, is, comes up at a time where it's easy to go, oh, let's just, let's just cancel the January tournaments. And it happened, they have to be most of the women's tournaments. And the earlier waves were at similar times where they were a month before women's tournaments. They go, okay, so some of it's bad luck. And some of it's just, you're being shitty for the sake of, oh, well, we don't want to, you know, you don't want to cancel the men's world. So you'll do weird things to make it work. And you don't cancel the, the men's under 20s to the world juniors. So you make figure out ways to make it work. Well, great. But I mean, if you know that the women's tournaments are bearing the brunt of this, say, like the, the entire press release should have just been, you know what? It's it sucks. Part of it's bad luck, and yeah, they've been the earliest. They've been the tournaments that have been easiest to cancel. But in in the interest of of continuing to commit to developing women's hockey internationally, we're gonna figure out ways to to fix this in as soon as we can. We're gonna figure out ways to stage some sort of a showcase event for women's international hockey of age group X Y Z, whichever age groups they just, they think is feasible. Maybe maybe do a combined thing. I don't care. The the idea is do something. Because yeah. something's well, better than canceling everything. Because canceling everything is stupid. The worst part of all of this, and it's it's the IIHF actually has no real like they they actually don't make a lot of money. So when they, they a lot of people some, might not they know they make this. some money. They make some the, money. The but... brunt of it goes into running the other tournament. So this is how it basically yeah. works. So the IIHF makes money off two tournaments: the men's world championships and the world junior championships. That we're talking about. They use that to fund the rest of the other tournaments, but it's still not enough. So, like, the World Junior Tournament is also partially funded by the host nation as well as yeah. whoever is hosting it. So, this particular one, Hockey Canada, was also responsible for setting up the hotels. Like, it, this wasn't the IIHF. So, this is this is a lot of this is on Hockey Canada and but, company, but the, and company and as so, well. Some of that's part of the bidding, though. Like, say, if you and I, mm-hmm. if you and I are organizing a, you know, a World Junior Tournament or a World Championship, whoever, during a friggin' pandemic, mm-hmm. and you say. Hey, we, Canada wants to wants to, to host. I'd say, cool. What's your plan for bubbling? And if you go, what what bubbling? I'm gonna go on to the next. I'm gonna choose somebody else. Like, but that it's, it's not an ideal into, situation. But figure it out. Like you said, it's part of the bidding process. So that leads into uh, I'm talking about the, the U18 women. Okay, the IIHF just went and canceled it. It has no host nation willing to say, hey, women of the world, we want you to play hockey. Like, like we 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 can fund it. We can like Hockey Canada has money. Let's not pretend. Let's not. USA and, and, Hockey and, has money. They both those nations could single-handedly fund both those tournaments for the IIHF if they if they and, so want. And to. the IIHF has reserves. Like part of the operating mm-hmm. the part the the, the, the IIHF's cut of the world. The two big tournaments every year, the World Championship and the World Juniors, that fund basically the entire operation of the IIHF and provide them with a decent uh, financial reserve. So that's the, they, their entire rainy day fund is made up of money they've made up on their tournaments. And, you know, if, if you happen to have, like, say, this year, the, the women's U18s and, you know, Sweden says, hey, we don't have the money to bubble this properly. It's, you know, if you, if you want to make, if you want to be committed to making sure these tournaments go on as scheduled as much as you can, you know, in, in this day and age, you, you, you pony up. And whether that's, you know, the, the, the big money uh, international organizations like, stepping up and saying hey we'll underwrite this or the IIHF itself saying hey we'll step up and take some of our reserve because let's let's be honest if you ever if you're a hockey organization or any organization and you have a rainy day fund look outside it's pouring like this yeah. is a once in a hundred year real, thing though. nobody is gonna get a bat an eye if you're like hey we're dipping into the kitty to make sure that everything works yeah that's the whole point of it so i mean it's yeah. it's less than ideal it, it's happening sort of everywhere to really summarize what we've just said is there is no excuse. There, there, there's, there's so many opportunities for this stuff to happen and go on. The fact that they even released a statement saying, no, we're just not going to is unacceptable. 
And, you know, it's time, and it really is time for women's hockey to get the recognition it deserves. They, the women, they're fighting I, for it. They're, they're, it's not like they're being silent. Their voices are everywhere. Listen, people, people want to watch. People do, want do, to like, do you know how Jerome McGinley, to, to put a book into this, yeah, how Jerome McGinley became Jerome McGinley? Jerome McGinley became Jerome McGinley by playing a lot of hockey against a lot of good players at the U18 and U20 levels and playing in the multiple Memorial Cups and stuff. So he had to have, and I would argue, if you looked up and down the upper echelons of both sides of hockey, both, both, uh, both sides of the, of the gender fence, so many of these, of these talented people owe the growth of their talent to these kind of events. And, you know, it's, we're going to have like a, you know, we're going to have a cohort of like a two, three year cohort of players who've gotten substandard development, not because of anything their club teams have done or into their parent leagues, but because a lot of these showcase events just haven't gone the way they should have. And, you know, you can, I know, I know everyone doesn't have the resources at the NHL. And I know not everyone has the resources of like a lot of Western league teams, Ontario league teams, Quebec league teams, you know, take losses. And I know those leagues get, you know, they, they get development money from the NHL teams and that's sort of how they can afford to, you know, take it in the teeth these years and keep, keep the trains running on time, so to speak. But there's so many people, organizations that benefit from these events and benefit from these young men and women having these kind of experiences and being able to kick ass at these events that it's, it's, a, it's, it's frustrating. It's just in a word frustrating. So hopefully, you know, WIHF has said that, you know, they're hoping they can surprise us and have something, something positive to announce in the coming weeks. I hope it's not just for the world juniors. I hope it's for, they come up with the, you know, I'd, I'd say for them, come up with a plan for 2022. Just sit down, figure out what you can do, figure out what you need to bubble. And then worst case, you can unbubble it later. If, if you, 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 you over plan and that turns out that everything's, you know, super hunky dory, then boohoo, you over plan. But anyway, that's, that's our opening rants. Uh, Flight Station Radio is brought to you by our beautiful, wonderful friends at DoorDash. Uh, it is cold outside. So if you get DoorDash, just to be a nice person out of the holiday season, Maybe tip a bit more. It's cold. It's cold out there. It's cold out there, folks. It's gassing free. You got to You got to warm up the car. It takes a little bit longer. You make sure. Make sure everyone can. Make sure they're they can tip enough that folks can afford to go buy a, a block heater back, uh, cord for their for their car. Uh, we're also brought to you by our friends Eau Claire Distillery and uh, Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. Uh, I believe it's still available from uh, the Eau Claire Distillery website. It's very cool. It's very tasty. Uh, if you, you got one for a loved one or someone that you care about during the holiday season who enjoys this fine spirit, good for you. If you have it, it's not too late. People love getting like gifts. People love New, Year, new Year's gifts. It could be a New Year's gift. Make it a new tradition. New Year's gifts. You know, hey, there, there's never a bad time to give somebody a gift. Uh, unfortunately, yeah, exactly. if you gave somebody the gift of Calgary Flames tickets, uh, it might be a little while so you can use them. So here's yeah. the situation. Uh, we alluded to this a little bit last week. So uh, last, I think actually it was this a week ago today, the Alberta provincial government uh, decided to cut uh, major venues, uh, including hockey arenas down to half capacity. So the Calgary Flames, if they ran events, would be running a capacity of 9,600 with no food or beverage service, which means the concession should be closed, which means $0 in revenue. And they'd be, they'd be figuring out ways to only have half the people in. So uh, the way that the NHL has chosen to do it is now they officially pulled out the Olympics. They have another 16 days to schedule games. And I've been told they're working on almost an entirely new schedule for the second half of the year. Because as of right now, uh, we are recording on the 29th. Here's what we know as of right now. Calgary Flames are currently in Seattle, Washington. They'll be playing the Seattle Kraken tomorrow, assuming nothing else goes wrong. Knock on wood. Uh, Seattle at this moment are playing a game with the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, so yay for them. Uh, there's no game. There was no game on the 27th that got postponed. There is no game on the 31st that got postponed. Uh, the, the idea is because the NHL is uh, really, they want to maximize hockey related revenues as much as they can. And they suddenly have 16 days in which to cram games into the schedule. They're postponing games in Canada for the time being, if they're going to be, you know, played at a reduced capacity. Uh, 
uh, obviously. This is a moving target. Uh, they're not really announcing a lot at once. Uh, the most They announced a couple days ago, I believe nine games, including the New Year's Eve game, were postponed for this reason. Uh, not nine playing teams, nine NHL games, all involving Canadian teams hosting other teams. Uh, because, you know, Vancouver, I believe, is half capacity. Calgary's half capacity. Edmonton's half capacity. Toronto, Winnipeg is 250 Ottawa. fans. So Winnipeg's simply just not going to have fans if they host games because like, what, how do you how do you how do you carve fifty thousand tickets down to two hundred fifty? It's just it's just you might as well have zero. That's the way that it's basically you have to have a lottery. Toronto, I believe Toronto and Ontario, Toronto and Ottawa are also half. I forget Montreal. Montreal is half. Montreal, you, Montreal usually goes down to like five thousand. I think it's like, like it's, I, it's like, remember the five thousand and a half. I don't have the numbers right in front of me. But it's more anyway. than the playoffs. It's more than the playoffs, but less than uh, less than half. So yeah. So anyway, if you're if you're the NHL and you have 16 extra days in which to book games, you go, eh, yeah, let's just push this back. So uh, if it sounds like everybody's punting and going, well, we'll figure this out in January. Yeah, that's the idea. They're going to punt and figure this out in January. Uh, Based on, and let's not get into a, an epidemiological discussion here, but based on the numbers from South Africa and other jurisdictions who've had the Omicron wave, uh, it goes up and it goes down twice as fast as the previous waves. Granted, your mileage may vary. Does that tell us anything about anything else about the wave? No. And so knowing nothing about the wave outside of the speed, they're basically going, let's see how this plays out. Which, I mean, if your business involved cramming between 15 and 20,000 people in a confined space and selling them food and beverage and your business model dependent on maximizing both the, the number of people and the kind of food and beverage, I'd, I'd punt on that too. So uh, in the meantime, we actually have a game to talk about tomorrow. The, as I said, the Flames are playing Seattle. Uh, Shane, I have no idea what to expect in this game. The Flames are playing their first game since the 11th of December and uh, they're playing a team that played the night before. And, and Seattle's has a bunch of, they basically had like half the team dealing with COVID, whereas the Flames have had the entire team dealing with COVID, and we don't really know what to expect from either side. We do have one thing we do know. Mr. Steinberg tweeted out some new lines today. They are Lucic, Backlund, Coleman. They are Manjapani, Dubé, Pitlick. And then the third line is Richardson, uh, Monahan, Lewis, um, and uh, I'm the first, not a the first line uh, for completeness. The line of Kachuk, uh, Goudreau, and Lindholm has been intact. They have they're not touching that line. Uh, I'm just Richie. Richie yeah. was skating briefly in the uh, entire Pitlick space on that uh, with Dubé Manchapani. Pitlick skated in his space today, uh, Wednesday. Brett Richie was not skating apparently today. Uh, so we'll see if I. I I'm not sure if he's on the trip or not, but he's, I would assume it's either Pitlick or Richie, whoever is the most healthy in that third line spot, and we'll see what happens. But I don't know, Shay. I, Shay, we've like, there, the first there's a few things there good. to dissect. Uh, Sean's back on the fourth line. Um, that's 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 the first noticeable thing for me, and uh, he's he's not back with scorers or play drivers anymore. He's back in that kind of fourth line. I mean, it's. It, it, I take fourth, but I mean they, they still play ten to twelve minutes a night. Like that's they're, they're basically the third fourth line basically play the same amount minus special teams. So they're gonna get their same chances. I I, I don't like I, I I'd like to see Manjapani make sure he gets still more ice time. Like any anything that limits his ice time, I, is, I question. Is the is the idea you think that Manjapani like Manjapani's good? Like let's let there's there's no way to Man, dress it up. We Manjapani's good. Can't, is the idea that he's going to be asked to sort of, for lack of a more polite term, drag around Dubé and whoever's on the right side? He, he, here's the thing: the numbers. Like I, I do, like, I look at a million charts. That's my like go-to thing. <laughs> that's my go-to thing in Flames coverage. If you just see me on Twitter, I tweet out charts like crazy. Um, when Dubé and Manj played together. They attacked the crease at a better rate than almost anyone in the league. Like they, they got crease, crease in the in the goalie's kitchen chances. The problem is Dubé still gives up a lot defensively, where Mans doesn't. So Mans can kind of cover. Um, Pitlick, Lewis, Richardson, they all played the same style of game. They're all 
defense first, chip it deep, worry about like play defense first. I I, I think Pitlick's got the size and ability to forecheck, maybe dig the puck out. Dubé's got the speed. Like I like the makeshift of that line, but I just don't like the fact that I think in my mind, Backlund and Coleman and Lucic are going to match up against the better. Like they're, they're going to take some of Man Japan's ice time. Like, and like, I just, that guy needs to be playing almost like it. He's as, He's their next best forward. After the best three, it's Manage. Manage is number four. He, he's not, your fourth best. He's easily yeah, fourth and, best. And, and, and he needs to be playing the fourth most minutes this, before because he's, you think, you he's, think he's the idea is like the first line is the first line, but you think the idea of splitting up him and Backlund and Coleman a bit is that you have like a 2A and a 2B line? Like I can kind of understand that. Like, yeah. Heading on the road and like, the, let's be honest, like the Flames. They're not playing the 31st. So the next, I think, five games, starting with Seattle, are all on the road. So, like, I, we've, we, the last time that Dylan Dubé got put at center with, uh, I believe it was with Brett Ritchie and Rajapani, was mm-hmm. that five-game road trip to begin the season. And it and worked out pretty game. well. It worked, yeah, it worked out pretty well. But I think at the same at the same time, you'd sort of see the performance and usage of Rajapani and Dubé and Ritchie and go, huh, I mean, okay. Because it was that that road trip was basically a, a the Flames' first line carried the mail, and every other line was fine. But I mean, I agree with you in terms of like you know Dubé Dubé has amazing north south speed. His east west like he's not, hasn't figured out a way to sort of add the east west variability to his game yeah. as much. With that you know Monty Plenty is good in all three zones. Brett Ritchie's an underrated. He's a good forechecker. He's physical. He, you know, he can't really score consistently. Neither is neither is Dubé. But Dubé, you've seen Dubé score at the NHL level in the recent past, and you can, you know, easily see him refining that. I mean, his underlying numbers say he's doing good things, but he's just horribly, horribly unlucky. Partially because he spent so much time on the line with John Monahan, who might be the unluckiest guy wearing red all season. But I mean, I, I don't know. I, I like Milan Lucic. I. Think Milan Lucic. I, I thought that I thought the fourth line group when they had Lucic, Richardson, and Lewis together were absolutely fine because they're three guys who are very self-aware. They play with their limitations, and their underlying numbers might not be anything to write home about. I think their expected goals percentage uh, when they were a trio is like 36, 37 percent. But they're also guys that are buried in the defensive zone and can defend reasonably well. And then it frees up everybody else to do other things, and it it, it opens up a lot. And I know, like Lucic is the Lucic, odd man with, out. Lucic is going to be like, like here's here's the thing. Backlund is matching up, and you know, like he has all year against the best of the like the other team's best. Like they don't typically, it's either Lindholm or Backlund, but they're playing Which against. It's the top usually it's usually team. usually you see first line against first line or first line against Backlund, and then yeah. if Backlund doesn't get the first line, he gets the second best line, and mm-hmm. so. If, if the Lucic idea is, like, is now, do, do, you, do you want do you want do you want Elias Lindholm playing against other teams' first lines? Yeah. Do you want him to play against other teams' second line? Sure, that'd be great. How about you know do you want uh, do you want Michael Backlund playing against those guys? Yeah, all day. How about Milan Lucic? No. And that's where I, that's I love where Lucic. I've come to absolutely love Lucic ever since he got here. I think he's the perfect bottom six left wing, third line, fourth line. He he does his job right. He knows he, he knows exactly how he can score goals, as we've seen. He loves his five hole flat on the ice, shoots on the ice. He the power uses his body. He uses his body to get in the right position. He he never you can like you can tell me he may not be the fastest, but he sure looks like he's always giving it out there, everything he's got. And so I, I've come to love him. I I just against like possibly like, you know, match him up against Colorado's ideal second line, no COVID. Is he going to stop Nazem Kadri, Andre Burakovsky, uh, you know, those types of players? I, I don't – I just don't think he has the speed to match up against those players that are playing in NHL top sixes. I think he's smart enough and he's structure, structural enough that he can be in the good spots. But when you get to, like, the best of the best, they find ways to beat you if, you're, if you don't have the foot speed. And that's and, where and I the, get worried. The thing that worries me, too, is it makes – potentially it makes that backline group a little bit slower. And, you know, the Flames are at their best and they're playing fast. And you don't have to be fast to play fast. But when you have a guy who's like, we've, we've seen it, and we're going to 
I hate to pick on the guy. We've seen it with Sean Monahan's line, wherever line he's been on all season, where Monahan seems to be a step slower than the two guys he's with, regardless of who he's with. And it sort of slows down the puck transition, slows down the puck movement, and all of a sudden, you know, n- you know, neutral zone transition turns into neutral zone turnovers. And you know, Blue Cheech, if he's playing with like if he's playing on the bottom six with basically any combination of guys, he'll be probably the slowest guy on the ice. Let's be completely honest. But he doesn't play slow. But he plays slowly enough that I think playing against the guys that Backlund and Coleman are asked to play against, I think it'd be a, I think it might be a problem. And and then the, yeah, I I do and again I I'm so sorry for we're, we're not being very nice to you today, Mr. Monahan. But like I think right now him on the fourth line actually fits. He just hasn't like you said his his, his foot speed foot speed is back a step. We're not one five games into the season anymore. We're over a quarter of the way in, and it's not you know he 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 you can tell he his shot. The one thing I haven't really noticed from him is his shot. He used to have a great shot right from the on, slot. On the power play, corner. I noticed it. I noticed and, it on the power play, but but five on five, I like I can't like like the, the last goal he scored, uh, I think last year or one his milestone goal. I think it was two hundred. Came around the corner and just sniped one top left corner, like picked his corner. Everything. I haven't seen that. Like I that hasn't been in any game. He hasn't done that. He's been able to find the back of the net with some greasy goals like he used to, but like the the finesse goals aren't there. They're just not. They've they've disappeared, and that's a problem for a guy you're paying six point five million to. So uh, I think he's fine where he is right now because you've got other guys doing got jobs or, and doing better. Like you know, been playing more consistently, and I I I, I want him to find it. I want more than anything in the world. I want my old Sean Monahan back to, but uh, you can't force it, and you can only do manage what you've got. I'm not too big of a fan of uh, Mr. Rizichka coming out because um, before, before that fourth line, he went down. I, I do my beyond the box scores and I track each stat every game. And I, I track um, the, the four stats I track are uh, the mainly or the Corsi. So just total chances either way, whether they hit the net, blocked, missed, whatever. Um, expected goals and then regular scoring chances and high danger chances. And he had a really, really bad first game. Well, his first game in the NHL, right? Well, second after he played last year, but first game mid-season in a competitive NHL, not playing the garbage time against Vancouver in the COVID year. And after that, he's put up ratios of like 60% across the board every single game he's played. He does not deserve to be out of this lineup. He, he has done everything he needs to play. He's been a great addition to the bottom six. And like I said earlier, I, I believe Richardson, Pitlick, and Lewis all bring the same aspect. And taking one of them out and adding Rizichka in can improve their bottom six and possibly find that depth scoring that everyone keeps talking about because we know he can score. He's done it in Stockton for two straight years. So, yeah, uh, Daryl Sutter today he made the comment uh, he's chatting with the media in addition to deriding the existence of the taxi squad. And I mean, he he shared that he he gets the whole point of the taxi squad, but from a coach perspective, it's a pain in the ass. Which is a fantastic quote. I I love Daryl. From time to time, yeah. he gives us he gives us fantastic quotes when he just tells you what's on his mind, and I always enjoy that. But he also uh, one of the things he mentioned was sort of they have too many guys with you know three or four goals or fewer. And get, here here's a list of guys on the Flames. Uh, here are the three and under bunch: the five on five goals, three and under. Dubé has three, Backlund has three, Monahan has two, Brad Richardson has two, Adam Rizicka, who's played four games, has one. Uh, so he has half as many even strength goals as Sean Monaghan, who's played uh, 300 more even strength minutes than him. And then with zero, Trevor Lewis, Tyler Pitlick, Walker Door, Glenn Gunn, Brett Ritchie. Uh, Brett Ritchie, injured for a good chunk. He only played nine games. Okay, cool. Uh, Godden, same thing. Walker Door, like those guys are call-ups. So like those three guys, Ritchie, Godden, Door, have combined for 12 games of NHL work this year. Yeah, cool. You know, but Lewis, nada. Pitlick, nada. Uh, two goals for Richardson. What? Uh, two goals well, for Sean Monahan. Sean Monahan has played, uh, in terms of minutes, almost twice as much five on five than Brad Richardson. Like, that's, that's that ain't good. Like I said, something like, like he's, 
he's lost the step and whatever, how they're playing, he's not getting into the spots to score. Like he's been snake bit a few times. Like there's been some, like at least three instances this year where I found myself staring at the TV going, how Sean, how did that not go in? Like, like, it was, well, some miss the net, some go high, some are great saves, but it's like some, you, you said earlier, just the unluckiest man in red has to be him, but they're all, they're, it's more than just unlucky. There's something else going on and it's, it's just unfortunate because he, he I, I just still remember when he potted his 20th in his rookie year. It was just so fun. And so the hype around him was great. And, you know, he's taken sixth overall. He came right to the NHL. He didn't have to, didn't have to, wait for him you know that doesn't happen that often and brian burke i know brian burke was still here when he broke in and brian burke was raving about him and i he's got he's he's got all the tools we're we're hoping we're hoping he forces what he's forced to play on the team in 13 i mean i was at that i covered that training camp you know you had uh you had uh, berkey talking up and down to anyone who listened you know that uh, you know they don't they don't really want to and I, I think that was at the time when we still had Jay Feaster here and they had it was the first uh, fall for 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 I believe Berkey is Poho uh, president mm-hmm. of hockey operations Poho uh, it's a fun acronym but you know he was like oh yeah no teenagers send him back if you can send him back send him back and Sean just forced his way on the team like he was so good in camp and so good in October that you couldn't not keep him and he's he, up until last two years, when let's be blunt, his body gave up on him more or less because mm-hmm. of all the injuries Pretty and all the surgeries. I mean, he's he takes a beating. So, you know, John Monahan, friends of John Monahan, if you're listening, it's nothing personal. We're you know we're not saying your numbers are representative of your quality as a human being. You've given a lot to the Calgary Flames organization, and I imagine if we saw you with a shirt off, you'd look entirely scar tissue. Uh, so yeah. please don't ever show us that because I, I don't want to see that. Uh, but yeah, uh, looking at uh, look uh, from natural stature, looking at the five on five shots, uh, leading the Flames forwards in five on five shots is Blake Coleman at seventy five. He's shooting five point three percent, so he hasn't scored a ton. In uh, the rest of the, the rest of the the, the group, uh, Elias Lindholm is sixty one, Kachuk is sixty one, Johnny Gaudreau is fifty three, Matthew Penny is forty eight. Uh, the usual suspects. Uh, Dylan Dubé has 43 shots, uh, five fewer than uh, than Manjupani. Manjupani is scoring on 21% of his shots. Dubé, seven. So, you know, they're at least, I, and, you know, Dubé is generating some stuff. He's not scoring a ton, but he's generating. Backland, 39 shots. Uh, Trevor Lewis, 36 shots, but he hasn't scored at all. Uh, Milan Lucic, That's amazing. Here's, here's, a, here's a fun stat for you. Milan Lucic has 31 shots. Monahan has 30. Bielan Lucic has scored six goals. Monahan has scored two. Maybe Monahan should shoot five hole more. Power five, baby. Yeah, that's, that's just that's you know. I'll, I'll, say, this, I'll say this. Coaches I'll will say this. A lot of yeah. Milan Lucic does not throw things into the crest. He doesn't go for the the, the belly beater. He goes. You know, he tries to pick corners. You know, I, I've been told from friends of mine who are goalie coaches. The worst, the absolute worst shots to try to save the goalie are, of course, Milan Lucic's power five, where he goes right along the ice five hole because, you know, you can't, if, even if you try to stick your, you know, you try to close up your five hole, that's the last part of the five hole that gets closed up. That, that, that's the last part of the drawbridge that gets closed. And even if you close it up fully, it's along the ice. So unless your skates are sort of, you know, flush against each other, things can still squeak through. So that's, that's one where even if you play it perfectly well as a goalie, weird stuff happens. And the other one is the the low stick side one where you're just trying to, you know, you're just trying to get something with between it. between pad and blocker. Yeah. Yeah, like the, the even even just low stick yeah. side on, on the on the ground, because at least that way, like you know, but yeah, it's like I've the, there's not a lot of you know Lucic things being thrown right into the into the logo. And you know, I, I think that's one of the reasons he's so successful because, you know, Milan Lucic might be the smartest man in hockey in that Milan Lucic knows what Milan Lucic is good bad at. And he, since yeah. he knows what he's bad at, he just doesn't do the thing that he's bad at. And as a he result, does he tends he, to look really, really good. Yeah, well, I, I, I'm just going to say it. I'm just going to say uh, at the time I was, you know, less than thrilled just because of things, but uh, – based on the trajectory of the uh, other the guy that went the other way in in the deal for him 
it, it, so I'm so grateful that this worked out the way it did. Yeah, I mean, the, and we, the, and, the Evans, and, and right love now, the and Edmonton love Oilers, Luch. the Edmonton Oilers are paying Milan Lucic and James Neal right now, and they're playing Milan Lucic again next year. I think they're still paying. Uh, I believe. Let me check. Well, they media. bought Neal out. They bought Neal out this year, so they will have to pay him next year. So they're it, paying. It, it's two years. I think they played Neil for a little while too. Actually, I, I think, don't they, think there was Neil, Neil if he had a year left, he gets paid for two. Uh, James Neal is on Edmonton's books, uh, four years. So yep. the next yeah, two years, two years are paying yeah. uh, elite minimum salary to Milan Lucic to not play for them, and they're playing James Neal almost two million, like one point nine one seven million for the next four years through twenty twenty five to not play for them. That's just weird. I mean. I don't know. That's weird to me. I find if that's it's not my if money. So if that's if that's uh, how you want to spend your money, cool. Yeah, and uh, but yeah, that's fine. The defense we hadn't talked about them because they're the exact same. Uh, Shillington's still with Tana, yeah. Hannafin's still with Anderson. Zad Dog is still with uh, Gutty, um, and uh, Stone was the extra at skate. So yeah, Stone's um, the extra. They don't have a they're not going to go on taxi squad right now. Uh, Valenaki is eligible to join Taxi Squad, but based on Daryl's comments today, they don't really want to have a lot of extra guys around. And he's so I, killing I it too. He's doing. I've I've been he... you know, I've 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 seen a bit of his AHL games. I talked to scouts. I know. Uh, Mac, uh, I've been told Valenaki's been pretty good. Not great at the AHL. He's still he's still getting his swagger back. I was told that Connor Mackey's been really good since Valenaki came down, and maybe some of that's just unconsciousness. You know, you see the big kid from the front, from the NHL club come down. You feel like you need to step your game up. Maybe it's unconscious. Maybe maybe Valenaki is threatening Mackey's spot as the top dog in Stockton. But I mean, both those guys have been pretty good. And you know, the, the whole, they're playing even, together. The whole no, they're not. They're playing in separate lines. Oh, there's separate lines. Yeah, they. Uh, I believe Mackey's been with. Uh, I believe Andy Walensky, and they've been playing Valenaki with mostly with Colton Pullman, which makes the okay. third pairing kind of weird because the third pairing has been Gravel Simone, wouldn't it? Uh, Gravel's still hurt. It's been, uh, I believe, yeah, Nick Simone with Ilya Solovyov, KHL oh, star Ilya Solovyov. And since since Valenaki came down and they've had to shuffle all the pairings and Gravel got hurt, Solovyov's on a bit of a hot streak. I mean, he's a seventh Solovyov's- rounder. Uh, so it, I, uh, if you go to hockey prospecting um, before before the draft, there was a few overagers from Solovyov's draft that projected over fifty percent chance, based on their current production years of production, that they would make the league using Byron Bader's and hockey prospecting's models. It was Alex Cotton and uh, Ilya Solovyov. And Al- they Alex were both, Cotton, they were both, Detroit they got were, him. And Al- Alex yeah, Cotton, third round beast. But Alex it's, Cotton, it's these... I watched him play in Lethbridge, so I'm a little biased because. He was just destroying everybody, and he was always he was cheering for that I, 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 saw, I saw him ragdoll a lot of Calgary Hitman players along with yeah. several members. I was He's watching games with, with some pro scouts I know and amateur scouts and, I know. He's going to play. He's going to play. And, and Solovyov's numbers were directly comparable to Cotton at I the mean, same age. Il- and so it, was a, it was a great it was a great pick for a seventh round pick overager. Ilya Solovyov as a 20 year old was playing third pairing minutes in the KHL and doing pretty well. And he's mm-hmm. 21 and he's playing pretty he's not doing he's not doing terribly and it's not doing terribly well in the AHL. He is a fine AHL defenseman at 21 coming over to North America for his second season in North America in his life. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, mm-hmm. that's pretty good. I mean, you know, he's, he went back and forth. He was in the O, I believe he was in Saginaw the, the, in his draft year. Then he went back to Russia for, to play, I believe it was, he was a, a Belarus with Dynamo Minsk. And then he gets signed and brought back here. So he's gone back and forth, it, you know, at, from a personal level, that's gotta be weird for a young guy, like a teenager, 20 year old kid going back and forth, being, far away from your family, then being way too close to your family, then being far away from your family again. But by all accounts, you know, he's he's settling in and you know, he I, I projected him, I still project him. He seems like he'd be a decent third pairing guy. And yeah. you know, that's, that's, that's really, you could in the grand scheme of things, you could be not to not to name names, but you could be a general manager who spends fourth or fifth round picks every year at the deadline, bring in someone else's third pairing guy. 
or I don't know who you're you talking can about. I have no idea. Draft picks and you can develop them on. If, if you have an AHL team that's just chock full of guys who can play your third pairing, and then you have one or two who can play higher up in the rotation, then you're pretty much insulated against injuries. So I think that's, you know, it's, if we're, if we're going to hand out beautiful candy canes and presents at, at this time of year, the Flames have done a, a much better job than they have five years ago at having Elias Solovyovs or, I don't know, like Connor Mackey, he might just, he might top out being a pretty good third pairing guy. That's a pretty good. I mean, they got him for free. They just signed him out of college. So, I mean, they used to, the college guys they used to sign were Kenny Morrison or Josh Healy. Yeah. And, or, you know, uh, was Van, uh, what was it? David Van Bryce Van Brabant. Bryce Van Brabant. That's Dave, no, David Van Der Gulick was a, was a draft pick. Oh, they used to call it, though. He still played college. Huh? Did he? I forget. Yeah. He played, he played in uh, Quad City, I think. Well, and there's the Gimla deal. Uh, we got, what well, we got, uh, Augustino and Ben Hanowski. That was another one. Ben Hanowski, the best man I've ever seen in my life in person. Like, just beautiful head of hair. Good, good kid. Great head of hair. I think he's, I think he's played in Germany for a little bit, but yeah, I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, they got new lines. It's a, it's a lot of road trips. And I, I think the, with the minor road games they have coming up, I think they want to err on the side of having line balance, which I mean, sure, but maybe you want, I can, I can understand not wanting to be too top heavy in road buildings. Yeah. Is that a, I, I, but, the, the positive you know. to all these road games right now is there's going to be tons of home games later because the home games will be rescheduled at some point. Uh, it will, it will happen. Whether they have fans in the building, how many, whatever is remains to be seen. That they, is an ongoing they've, they've, forever situation. As, they've, as of right now, they've postponed eight games and six of them are home games. Yeah, the so we're getting played, a lot the of. The Flames have only played eleven home games so far this season. They have thirty home games left. Yeah, isn't that crazy? They have fifty-four and, games left and thirty of their home games. And they're the they've played the least amount of games in the division at this point. So they're not. No one. No one's chasing them. They're 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 no one like they're you never have to worry about oh yeah we're two points up but they got two games you know don't worry about games in hand calgary's got them <laughs> unfortunately <laughs> but <laughs> they might as well use them right so so they're you know they're completely rested uh which is uh like rare i mean most teams will be completely rested at this point like this is kind of like a mini break for everybody um right now but you know the game, games are still being played. I uh, there was three games the other night. Uh, it's ridiculous amount of goals. Uh, Fifty-five goals. I think uh, you could check. Justin Bourne tweeted it out earlier. Fifty-five goals in like the seven games that have been played in like the last seven games, or something like that. Like five. It, it's ridiculous. Oh, it's uh, gonna be like teams are like scoring like crazy. Because guys, guys are gonna be figuring out the rhythms for a few weeks. And there's still, there's a bunch of guys that are getting back in and getting some NHL games and some NHL paychecks and some stuff that probably you know might never have in regular circumstances ever gotten that kind of shot like Garrett Sparks in Vegas. So you know, that's a positive to take out of all this. There's guys getting shots that you know might not have had them previously, might not have been able to go based on roster construction beforehand. So if if we want to take a positive out of that league wide, that's something that that's present so that's yeah, that's kind of my I, I think friends the the best advice we can give you is be flexible it's gonna be from a scheduling standpoint kind of weird the next few weeks like the benefit for the flames is that everyone has already had COVID at this point and by already had I mean in the last month uh so like the the you know the flames aren't going to be one of those groups that has to deal with a lot of you know people disappearing due to tests I think three guys on the team Four guys, uh, four guys in the team weren't uh, weren't tagged on this current outbreak. So, the if you're the tester for the Flames, you have the easiest job in hockey right now because you only have the went from doing 24, 25 guys to doing four or three. So, I mean that's pretty good. Hopefully, they, hopefully they get a flat rate and they're not paid by uh, the number of tests they do because uh, that that job's going to get very easy for the next while because uh, I believe the the Flames test holiday under the protocol lasts until I think mid March at this rate, really March mid March. So you know, it's a, that means they're, they're less susceptible to large swaths of the roster disappearing. That means they're less susceptible, like both their goalies had it. They're basically their entire blue line inside of Mike Stone, who I believe was in the protocol briefly in October. So I think he, he might went, just be coming went, out of his testing holiday. 
Who's the two people that went like I know Matthew Kachuk went COVID free, but uh, who's the other Kachuk one? and Blake Coleman? Coleman, yes, Coleman and uh, shout Brett Ritchie. Shout and out, Brett Ritchie. Shout out to Blake Coleman, by the way, for entertaining us on Twitter. Love the hot tub selfie, my friend. That uh, that is uh, Blake you're, Coleman. Just seems, you're assimilating two, yourself perfectly. He, he's got two Stanley Cup rings. By all accounts, a wonderful family and a great sense of humor about himself. And he's getting paid to play in a hockey mad market. Like for a kid from Texas, he seems to be living his best life. I mean, and and he didn't get sick. So I mean, Blake Coleman, we, we salute you because you're just you're you seem to be in, in a time fun, of man. year. When a lot of people seem to be figuring out ways to take an L, you are getting a W on multiple levels. So, I mean, great, good for you, Blake Coleman. And I think that's probably a good place to, to finish this, this thing off so we don't get too damn uh, cheery. Yeah, we're, we'll start going yeah. down the rabbit hole too far with the lack of news that's been happening. When they start playing more games, we'll have more news to talk yeah, about. Hey, next, by, we had a game tomorrow, uh, and then I believe the Flames are going on the road again. Uh, I'm pull, I'm awkwardly segueing so I can pull up the play schedule right now because I honestly, uh, I do not remember when they're playing next outside of they're playing uh, tomorrow the 30th in scenic Seattle, Washington at Climate Pledge Arena, home of the Seattle Kraken. Uh, the uh, second. Yeah, they're playing in Chicago, Chicago. In Chicago in the second. And then uh, they have, then they're heading down to Florida. And the natural segue of Chicago in January, followed by Miami and Tampa and rally in January. So yeah, they're going to plan a bunch of games. They have their four game road trip. It's a five game road trip. Now go, they're going Seattle and then Chicago, Florida, Tampa, Carolina. That's going to be some good. That's it good, for being good. That's it. Other than the blue jackets. This is like after the, whatever, that's the, the hurricanes. That's the last time or they go out East as well. Yeah. So like that's this, gonna this be, finish. they're going to have no Eastern travel. 30 home games <laughs> like, like they're they're setting themselves up to spend a lot of time in calgary being able to be with their families and rest down the stretch which i think is a positive so yeah and and they're beginning this part of the season with uh they're they're tops in the pacific division by points percentage i believe they are six points back of vegas for first place in points but they have five games in hand five games in hand so five the the flame they're, they're you know as weird as the first third quarter two th where the hell we're gonna whatever portion of the season we want to say it is uh as weird as the first 80 or so days of the season have been the flames have come out of a very weird road heavy schedule in technically first place uh the league, the league chooses to, to use points percentage during the season and then when everyone's even in games at the end of the season it goes by points but It'd be points percentage anyway. So, yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. So, we'll, uh, it'll be fast and furious once we get going. Uh, as usual, we're brought to you by our friends at DoorDash and Oakler Distillery. And they're delicious, nutritious, nutritious in some ways. Rupert's Whiskey, the official whiskey of the Calgary Flames. Uh, that'll be it for episode 12 of Flames Nation Radio. For Shane, I'm Ryan. Thanks a lot for listening, and we'll catch you guys next week.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.